0: hey guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of what in the wellness as always i love to hear your feedback suggestions for new topics questions that you would like answered maybe even a guest that you would like to have on or maybe you'd like to be the guest yourself either way i'd love to hear from you please feel free to reach me by email or message Uh, you guys know where to do that now let's get started for today's episode Welcome to this episode of What in the Wellness? In this episode, I get to interview an amazing coach who's living in Barcelona, Spain. We answer and discuss some questions involving why do we eat when we aren't hungry? Why is food more than just fuel? And how can you start listening to your body better and make changes to it at the same time? We also discuss things about emotional eating, food rules, and how nutrition doesn't need to be so strict. I love our discussion and I love the conversation that we have around listening to our body and I really hope you'll enjoy it as well. So let's get started. Hi, it's Anzley Knopf. Welcome back to What in the Wellness. And on today's episode, I have a super cool guest, Jillian. She is with Bite Size Nutrition, that's her company. And she's talking to us today, all the way from Spain. Um, and she identifies as a person that helps busy people create nutrition and lifestyle habits so that they can break through the cycle of yo yo dieting and finally be able to maintain the results that they've been looking for. She's awesome, I've been talking with her before we started recording, super excited for you guys to hear from her. And um, Jillian, just tell us a little bit about yourself for people that have not yet met you and where you're coming from, how you got into coaching, what it's like living in Spain, all that good stuff.
1: All right, so I'm Jillian. I am a nutrition coach based out of Barcelona, Spain, but you can probably tell by my accent, I am not Spanish. Um, I'm from California originally and I've been in Spain for about six years and I started nutrition coaching about three years ago. I was a CrossFit coach, right? I guess I still am a CrossFit coach and, um, and I was coaching CrossFit and I realized that the hard part is the nutrition. Like the easy part for people was going into the gym and just like doing their workout and following the instructions and going home. But if you don't know how to, like, put food on your plate, or what food to put on your plate, or how to eat it once it's on your plate, like, that can make your results, or that can make the changes that you're looking for really, really complicated, and, and not just that, but nutrition affects every aspect of your life, so uh, I kept coaching, coaching CrossFit, I'm a CrossFit level three trainer, and I am also precision nutrition coach, um, so I work with people, I work with people all online, so I have uh, clients all over the world, and I work with people online, essentially helping them uh, understand their own bodies better. Learning, you know, how to feed themselves, which sounds very simple. Unfortunately, you know, if they what it is, It's like if there's a simple answer for a complicated problem, then it's the wrong answer or something. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's basically I work on 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 habit changes, identifying what people are doing now, what results they'd like to achieve. And then we sort of break those down to into like tiny actionable steps that they can do every single day. And I was telling clients that I'm like, look, at the end of the day, I want you to feel accomplished. So I want you to feel like you you did you know you did right by yourself. And so I don't want to give you some like crazy diet that's super complicated that you're probably going to fail at. I want to give you tiny little pieces of information, but bite-sized pieces like (laughs) um but that are gonna that are gonna make you feel accomplished and keep you on this on the path so that's I love it
0: that's so great that's such a great philosophy um and you guys will see that like when when you have when you encounter like typically as of yet I have yet to find this to be flawed um a precision coach precision nutrition coach typically most of us are like into this habit approach right like we Mm -hmm. talk about it a lot um, and I think lately we've also kind of started adapting and adopting um to the principle of practice as well like it's something that you have to practice every day it's not simply just a a one and done so even if you have a habit a habit something that you it's become a habit or you're trying to make it a habit and so if you're trying to create a new habit do you have to practice it so I, I'm liking that we're moving more and more into this habit-based um, practice kind of approach with things um, So I have some questions that I'd love to talk to you about and a little bit more maybe about your story as well. Cause we're talking about emotional eating and food rules today. Um, And maybe share a little bit about your story and your connection with emotional eating and how that,
1: how that's been for you. So this is, uh, hopefully I'm not going to be too long-winded with this, but basically, so I was like the typical kid that was like kind of nerdy, like read all the Harry Potter books in like one day. Um, and I mean, I'm a super Harry Potter fan, but I was not an active kid. And like, my dad was very, like, he used to try to force like healthy eating on us, and so, you know, but it wasn't in, in a way that was like productive. It would be like, you know, you're not allowed to eat sugar. And so what did I do? I would like go to my friend's houses and be like, oh my God, they have snacks. And so I would like go to my house and just like snack like crazy. And so, you know, I was kind of a chubby kid. Um, and then, and I didn't really exercise cause I just like, wasn't, it just, I don't know. It just wasn't really part of like what my family did. I rode horses for a while, which is like a sport, but it's not really exercise. Um, And then when I was in college, obviously with college, you sort of, you know, whatever you're doing gets like exacerbated because there's like alcohol and, you know, crappy cafeteria food. And and so I definitely, I gained, I'm a little person, like I am like five feet tall and I gained like 10 kilos, which I think is like 20 two or 23 pounds, Mm -hmm. which on a, on a five foot tall person is like pretty noticeable. Um, and, and aside from that, like, I didn't, I I didn't have any muscle at all. And so it was just like, it was just pudge. Um, and then, and so what happened is I kind of had a, an interesting wake up call that like, uh, (laughs) so I was dating someone and that was a horrible person and we broke up and I realized that, that everyone, um, that every other girl he had dated was, was overweight and, um, and I had, cause I'd met a couple of them and I realized I was like, oh my God, that means that I am this, oh, I am overweight. And so for me, that was, that was like a wake up call that was like, I need to change this. Cause this is, you know, my pants don't fit and really uncomfortable. Like you don't move as well. You just don't feel as good. And so I started making really small changes to my diet. But the fact is, is like coming from that past where like my dad used to try to force us to eat healthy, like my comfort food was like food that I wasn't allowed to eat at home, which is like snack food and sugar and things like that. Um, and so slowly I started to incorporate vegetables. I didn't eat vegetables until I was 20 years old. Oh like, my God. Yeah. So literally I would pretend that I was allergic to vegetables. <laughs> um, and so all of the people out there that are like, I hate vegetables. It's like, you know what, bro, I get you. Like I've been there. Relax. <laughs> I get you. So, um, and so literally it was like step by step, like, like starting out literally like working out two times a week and then three times a week and then four times a week. And I also used to be a smoker. So, so it was like, okay, well I, you know, I'm not going to smoke until after I go to the gym today. Okay. Well, I'm not going to smoke until this. And then, you know, eventually one day I was like, I'm just not a smoker anymore. It's just not going to, that's not part of my life. And I stopped. Um, And so it was like this really gradual change. Um, But with emotional eating, it's like I definitely, when I started to get more into nutrition and I got a little bit more strict, so to speak, with what I was eating, you know, with knowledge, with like great knowledge comes great power. Right. often like exercise that power over yourself. And so I learned, you know, I started learning about like macros and dieting and like what a carb was and things like that. And, um, and so as I learned more about it, it sort of like brought out this disordered eating side of myself where I was like tracking macros and like doing macro Tetris at the end of the night to be like, I have three grams of carbs left. Like what can I eat that has three grams of carbs? <laughs> okay. yeah.
0: Macro Tetris. That is the best description I've ever heard of yeah. That. that. Yeah. That like, frantic yeah. thing at the end where you're trying to ma- meet your macros and- figure out what
1: yeah. you can eat yes <laughs> also like crazy food rules like I didn't eat fruit for like a year because I was worried about the sugar and fruit like what the what <laughs> you know but then on the other hand like I wouldn't eat sugar and fruit but I would like I would eat these like you know the like protein powder like like and all of the, you know the protein powdery like things like quest bars and all that kind of stuff and it's like what is wrong and so you know I sort of I got to this physique that, like, I, you know, objectively, like, was like super jacked and like looked great. But like, the reality of the situation is that I, I cut myself off from tracking completely, mm-hmm. um, and I don't let most of my clients track because I just think don't think it's necessary for ninety nine percent of people, um, and okay, like ninety five percent, like most people don't need most people don't need to track, right, uh, and. And, uh, and so I cut myself off from tracking and have been really focused on like being intuitive and, and asking myself these questions that nobody wants to ask themselves, which is like, am I actually hungry? Am I eating this out of hunger? Am I eating this out of emotion? Like, what is it that I really need right now? Um, and it's been a really cool journey and it's a journey that I do with a lot of my clients. And, um, and yeah, so the emotional eating side is still there. Like there's still times where I'm like, I just want to eat chocolate. But because I know that I can have chocolate whenever I want, Mm -hmm. I no longer have the need to eat half a chocolate bar.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a really, um, you're saying that and you're saying it because I know that I can have it whenever I want it. So that like, that food freedom, I think is something that like a lot of us have been looking for because we're either, we're either drawn to it to like maybe a little bit too much too often. Um, and then or we're like we're, I I'm more on the restrictive side of the spectrum. So I would I the, the all the rules and the regulations and the restrictions and things like that. That's kind of like that's where I feel more comforted. Um and to know that I can I can just simply I can if I want to, if I need to, either takes you away from the opposite, the extreme ends of the spectrum and brings you a little bit more towards like the middle. Um, which I know we'll get to because it's one of our favorite, like we both share this list affinity for this kind of like metaphor analogy about like the spectrum and food um but to get a little bit more into like i guess the 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 mindset aspect the emotional aspect of it um why do we eat if we're not hungry like we would assume that if we're hungry um that's why we're eating and if we're eating we're hungry like those are the same thing but what could be other reasons that you eat if you're like not like why
1: would you do that <laughs> I, think it, I think if it comes from and that's why I like started out kind of like talking about a little bit about my childhood because all of this stuff gets programmed into us at some point in our childhood mm-hmm. and so it's like things like here's another example um, I, so when I was little, when, when me and my brother and my dad would go out to eat, my dad would always steal food off of our plates. He would say like, oh, I'm not hungry. I'll just eat whatever you guys don't eat. And, but he wouldn't wait until we were done. He would just start eating off of our plates already. And so I started eating really, really quickly. And so part of my emotional eating is like, I eat really fast and I almost like protect my food mm. and I get sort of, you know, like, I feel very weird about, you know, in friends, like Joey doesn't share his food. Like I don't right. share my- um, and it doesn't like, share food <laughs> yeah. and, and so it's like one of those things that from like from childhood were programmed and so like for example If you're a kid and you're crying and your mom says like, you know, if you stop crying I'll give you a cookie like that's programmed or if um, you know, like oh if you're bad Like I won't give you ice cream or like hey if you get an a I'll, I'll you know We'll go to pizza and like that stuff is so normalized in society but the fact of the matter is it's like it's doing a lot of damage to people when they're young and it's doing a lot more damage to people when they're older because mm-hmm. now it's like the typical like oh your boyfriend broke up with you you're sad let's go eat ice cream and it's like what about ice cream is actually going to make your boyfriend breaking up with you better which like rationally we know this like as a rational individual like you can say like duh that makes no sense but then why do we do it and it's because we have these programmed like these programmed responses that goes so deep that, like, we need to actually take the time to recognize where it comes from and what it's all about. Mm-hmm. But no one teaches us how to do this. Right. Like, they just say, like, you know, eat less, move more. Or, you know, like, <laughs> if, you know if you don't want to eat it, like, don't keep it in the house. And it's like, yeah, that's a great tip. But, like, I know people that, like, their emotional eating is like, even if they don't have it in the house, they will go buy it. Right. Because, and so it's like, Yeah, that's a great tip, but you're addressing the symptom. You're not addressing the root of the problem. And so emotional eating is, one, as a child, before all this stuff is programmed into you, kids will eat when they're hungry, and they will stop eating when they're full. Even picky eaters. Like, if a child is a picky eater, like, you will put food in front of them. If they're hungry enough, they will eat it. Yeah. And and if they're full, they will stop eating. And so as we grow up, we stop having this capability of knowing what does hunger feel like what does fullness feel like because there's so many layers of programming on top of it so I think that I mean the answer to your question is like why do we eat when we're not hungry is because because eating is not just a, a physiological thing eating is cultural and eating is emotional and so in order for you to figure out like you know what is my what is the best diet for me like you need to you need to look at those three levels you can't just look at like the physiological Mm. because I can give you, you know, I can tell you exactly what to eat, but like, if you have some emotional shit going on, sorry, can we, can I cuss? Is that okay?
0: You're good. We're going to leave it in. I'm going to mark it as an episode that people need to hate. Hey, <laughs> no, no little kids y'all. And then we're just going to keep rolling with it. Cause it's fine. Like I mean, I can get
1: worse. They call it. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> don't they, worry. We're going to mark it. We won't worry about
1: it. Just keep going. If you You don't deal with that stuff that's, yes. that's behind the physiological, then you're constantly going to be in a battle with like, diet, off diet, diet, off diet, because the emotional stuff is going to keep coming up.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so because you mentioned it and it's just a question that we, especially if you've started out as a fitness trainer and, um, cause I did as well, a lot of us do. Um, and then we see kind of that whole, okay, working out is a component, but really the struggle lies in the other 23 hours of the day. Right. And that, that whole, like, Nutrition, stress, emotional, like all these other things. Um, and we move over to that and we constantly get asked for things like, even if we, uh, you know, market ourselves and we say, hey, we're a habit based coach, people still come to me and go, yeah, but are you going to give me a meal plan? Are you going yeah, me- to give me. Right. Like just tell me what to eat and I'll eat it. Um, I still get that a lot. So, um, and I think another thing that's really prevalent, and I don't necessarily know about all as much as it is now as it was when I first got started into this six years ago um but the thing that I heard the most was food food is fuel right like uh, it was like oh you gotta fuel your body food is fuel you want quality fuel in your engine like it was always like this kind of like your body's a machine you know like you need to like grease the cogs and like all these different things this complete disconnect from these three levels that you're talking about which is emotional and cultural and all these other things um Speak speak to me a little bit more about that about why food is more than just fuel. Obviously the nutrient component is important It's not something we're going to disregard entirely um, But it's so much more than that and I know I have personal experiences with that as well um, And maybe even a part of this too is seeing a, a different perspective globally um, Other countries I think do this slightly a little bit better at times um, with understanding that their, their culture revolves around food Um mm-hmm you have times a day, you have siestas, you have family meals and recipes that are passed down traditionally. What about traveling and living in other countries and other places has given you kind of a, a different perspective on the culture of food and how it's connected to us as humans?
1: Oh my gosh, I love this because it's true. Like one of the things that I, that I deal with a lot of my clients on is like, you become very, very tied to this identity of, of who you are in your food culture. Mm -hmm. And so like, for example, I have to work with people where I'm like, look, um, I'm like, look, let's not think of it as breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Let's think of it as like, you know, meal one, meal two, meal three, because there's this very uh, like strong cultural tie of like, well, this is not a breakfast food or this is not a dinner food. And it's like, well, it can be if you like it and and so one of the things i work on a lot with my clients is, is just recognizing those like what do you like and what is kind of programmed into you by culture so you know i remember one of the food culture things that like stands out to me so strongly is i remember um i was i uh so one of my one of my ex-boyfriends is from is from here from catalonia and like you know very like very sort of traditionally catalan and i remember the first night we spent together and we had breakfast together And, and, and he was, I was, I was doing intermittent fasting at the time. So I was not having breakfast and he, he sits down he's like, oh, well, I'm going to have, you know, a piece of toast and he gets out his piece of, piece of toast and he gets out the olive oil and he's literally just like pouring the olive oil on there. Like while he's talking to me, I'm like, is this going to end? Like, is he just going to end? (laughs) And it was like, I was like, he just put like half a bottle of olive oil on this piece of bread (laughs) where it's like, if you think about it, like, for example, in the States, someone would only do that if they're like at an Italian restaurant. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. So it's like these little things where it's like, that is so normal here. Like, like, I don't know how many clients I start out with where it's like, their breakfast is literally bread and olive oil. And wow. so, and, and so for them, it's a shift to be like, Hey, you know, like, like, I'll be like, Hey, let's, let's get some eggs in your breakfast. Let's try some different sources of protein. And they're like, Oh no, no, I can't eat eggs for, in the morning. And I can't eat eggs in the morning, and I were like, but that's breakfast food. And then says, like, as an American, you're like, but, like, eggs are breakfast food. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And, um, and so it's like these cultural things that you come up against that, that it's like, you know, I've had people that are like, literally, they will say in Spanish, like, no me entran los huevos por la mañana, which literally means, like, I can't put eggs in me in the morning. And it's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And it's just because, you know, the, the cultural, it's like, it's like in France, you know, it is very, people think that like, oh, French people are croissants, but like, no, they literally just eat like a piece of bread or like a piece of bread and cheese or like, like just a coffee or something for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And so it's not this like giant breakfast that we're sold in the States. And so working with those cultures, and like, I have a, I have another friend, I have a girlfriend who's another nutrition coach that she lived in China for a really long time. And there it's all everything's on rice, you know, so everything is like rice and sugar. Mm -hmm. You get these, these food cultures, where it's like, yeah, people can know, like, hey, I do CrossFit, like, I need energy to do my CrossFit. But it's still it's all through this lens of like, culturally, what is food and what is not food. Like, when I first got to Spain five years ago, people like didn't like protein powder was like kind of like only bodybuilders use protein powder. Where like right. in the state, like everything has protein in it. Like there's like protein everything.
0: Oh, yeah. There's protein and, chips. There's protein. Like anything oh, you can think of has protein now.
1: <laughs> yeah. And here in Spain, if like if you try to sell someone protein chips, like a normal person, they'd be like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and um and so it, it's just those things where it's like you don't realize that it's that it's so different that like you're so programmed by this culture that you're in and um and there are some beautiful things about it too like here in spain for example it's normal for a meal to take like 2 hours mm-hmm. like if you go out to dinner like the waiter is not going to rush you through it you're supposed to take your time relax like and that's great but it's also, you know, it it's also really hard for people when you start to explain to them like this is, you know, this is the science of nutrition. And you have to start sort of like breaking into the culture a little bit. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um different perspective from like a different side of the world that I realized too is that like I thought I was pretty good about um understanding that like it doesn't always have to be quote breakfast food for breakfast and things like that. Um, until I lived in South Korea and um they were like, like, kimchi can be a part of breakfast, like, fish can be a part of breakfast, like, these things, and I'm just like, whoa, I don't know if I'm ready for this, like, I would have been that person that wanted to say in, like, Korean, like, I cannot
1: put fish in me in the morning, like, (laughs) so so I was in Japan uh, last year, and, and I, because I love that stuff, like, for me, I literally, I, and I, I just, I love it. Like you give me like, like a piece of cooked salmon for breakfast. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Like, Heck yeah. oh yeah. And so like, I get it. I'm kind of a weirdo, but it, that's one of those things where it's like, I understand, I think it's because I understand that there are so many different food cultures that I'm open to trying those things. The different things. Whereas, but I think it takes, you know, it, and also I'm able to see it as like, instead of seeing it as like, this is, this is a fish breakfast, I'm able to see like, oh, fish protein. Like, oh, we have some, you know, we have some kimchi, which is a fermented food. So this is, you know, good for my digestion. Um, and then we have, you know, we have uh, some rice. So we've got some carbohydrates. And then, you know, so so I'm able to see it a little bit more from that perspective, um, rather than like someone else is like, ew, fish for breakfast. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah,
0: it's super cool. And that's, that's one of the things I loved about, one of the things I still love about traveling is getting to experience that those food cultures. And I think you experience that a little bit more when you're able to either go into a more rural area or if you live in a place. Um, I think something that I've noticed too is traveling. Sometimes you get like these touristy hotspots where, um, they make everything a little bit more like Americanized for like American palates and
1: stuff. And I'm like, no, no, no give me the real stuff. <laughs> it's interesting too. Like going back to the emotional eating thing is like people like vacations and emotional eating are yes. like, oh my God, it's such a, like, it's, people are like, well, you know, I'm going on vacation, so whatever, it's just like the F it, and oh wait, oh wait, kids aren't going to be listening to this, so it's just like the fuck it mentality, you know? Right, right. People are are like, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just lose the weight when I get back, but it's like, look, you can eat the food that you like, as long as you're listening to your hunger levels, your satiety levels, if you eat something, for example, like, I, I try to to do, um, you know, think of things as like being, is it worth it? Like if I'm eating, you know, if I'm in Italy, I'm not going to not have tiramisu, but if I have, but if I have a bite of it and it's like not good, why would I finish it? Exactly. Like this, this isn't up to my standards. I'm just going to go try it somewhere else. (laughs) Or, or or on the other hand, it's like, yeah, I'm, of course I'm going to eat, you know, uh, I guess I always use Italy because Italy is like the typical food place, but like if I'm in Italy, like, of course I'm going to eat pizza, but that doesn't mean I need to eat pizza for every single one of my meals. Right. And I think that's one of those things where it's like, you know, also coming from a specific food culture, people travel to other cultures and they're like, oh, Italy pizza. And it's like, there are so many incredible vegetable dishes, oh, There's yeah. so many incredible meat dishes. Like you don't need to just be eating one thing. And also it's like, you don't deserve to eat like crap just because you're on vacation. Like you always deserve to feel good. But if you don't know what feeling good feels like, then you're not able to make that decision. I
0: love that. If you don't know what feeling good feels like, that's something I think that's taken me years to figure out and to go through and to journey through. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people don't really, they're like, oh, I don't know. It's uncomfortable and it's new. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't really know how, you don't know what feeling good feels like until you start making those changes and, and getting uh-huh. uncomfortable and trying new things and stuff like that. Um, so that's a really important, note too. is like, if you don't know what that is, then that's, that's really what getting in touch with your body is really all about is feeling comfortable in your own skin again. And, um, feeling like food for like peace around food, I think Mm -hmm. is kind of the word that I've, I've really been kind of sitting with lately is do I feel peaceful around food? Like, I don't want to feel anxious around food. I don't want to feel tight and tension, you know, like all this stuff, like, Oh my God, there's food. I don't know if I like, if I go to a party, what's in my fridge. I don't want to feel anxious when I go to the store. Um, but I know, uh, for my, for myself, but also for a lot of my clients, um, they struggle with that. They struggle with like this anxiety around food, even if they're not tracking or maybe especially if they're not tracking and they've come from that. So how do you, how do you get in touch with your body and feel more in tune with yourself and experience all these things like vacation while, and trying to like, in honor your, you know, your hunger cues and body yeah. and everything, but not have the anxiety that comes with that, with that
1: lack of like control and yeah. rigidity. I think, so it's interesting because I think a lot of it comes from like, most of the time we're making what, oh, not most of the time, but a lot of the time we're making food decisions based on how we think it's going to affect our, our physical body. Like as far right. as aesthetics are concerned. And so it's like, we're very concerned with like, what do I look like? Is this going to make me fat? Is this not going to make me fat? And the fact of the matter is, is like the more you freak out about that and in my, so here's, here's a, I guess an, a good example from, from me is I, when I was tracking really strictly when I would go to like a barbecue or a dinner or something. So my like sort of trigger food is sweets, is like homemade sweets. Um, and I, you know, if someone had like a plate of brownies, I would eat like 10 of them and like people think like, Oh really? And I, no, like really. And I would eat them with this anxiety, feeling like if I don't eat all of them now, someone else is gonna finish them and I don't know when I'm gonna have more. Like, I don't know when I'm gonna let myself have more. And so being at peace for me is being able to look at the brownie and be like, yeah, if you want two or three, like go for it. Have two or three. But like, are you, you know, what is that gonna make you feel like afterwards? And also like, you can make yourself some damn brownies if you want. (laughs) You can just make them. And so it's like, for example, I live, so I live really close to one of my favorite bakeries right now and their chocolate chips and their brownies are so good. And it's, and so now it's like like yesterday I went, I stopped and got some bread and I was like, do I want a brownie? And I was like, nah, if I want one tomorrow, I'll get one tomorrow. And it, but it's like that sureness of knowing that like, I'm not planning for my cheat meal. It's Mm. just having the confidence to say like, if I want it tomorrow, I can eat it tomorrow. Yeah, But but it's having the trust in yourself to be like, if I want it today and I want it tomorrow, I need to let myself be able to do that. And so I think that's where it's the fear of like, well, if I, you know, if I open the floodgates, it's not going to stop, but it is, it is going to stop because once you trust yourself to be like, Hey, for example, I know what it feels like to, to wake up in the morning. And like, like when I used to eat a lot of sugar, I used to eat like a lot of like more processed food and my back used to hurt a lot. And now, I, you know, I know that if I've been overdoing it for a couple of days, my lower back will start to hurt again. And, and I, I'm aware of that, and I know that I don't want that to happen. And so through trial and error, you learn what makes me feel good, what doesn't make me feel good. And trusting yourself enough to know that, like, sometimes you're going to fuck up. But yeah. that's Okay. And so the, you know, the fact of the matter is, is like, just obviously using myself for experience and, and, and I have clients, like I, I do a desensitization thing with some clients where, um, you know, if they're feeling really out of control around a certain food, for example, I had one client that, that she was like, if there are potato chips, um, I, I cannot stop myself. Like, I, I just feel like, you know, I want to eat them all. Um, and I was like, well, how about this? Why don't we get, you know, a fa- your favorite bag of potato chips, your absolute favorite brand? and I want you to have them at home all the time, all the time. Like anytime they're done, I want you to buy another bag. And I want you to give you per yourself permission to have some whenever you want. And I want you to be aware that like, that may mean that the first couple times you eat the whole bag, but also recognizing, do you really want them or do you just want Attention. Do you want to hug? Do you like? What is it that you really want? And so she literally, I think she ate the whole bag like one time, and and she was like, you know what? Now it's like I take them out when people come visit to like give them a snack or something because that's very common here to like do like olives and potato chips, and um, and she's like, and I don't, you know, I don't really care. And I so we worked together for three months last year, and she, she without even focusing on her weight, she's lost about eight to 10 kilos, mm. and is just, like, radiant, and and takes care of herself, and, like, feels that she deserves to treat herself well, instead of, like, deserves to punish herself with, like, overeating. Mm.
0: Wow, I love that. Um, yeah. I feel like that's the most fulfilling feeling I've ever felt, fulfilling feeling I've ever felt, wow, Whew. Um, yeah. as a coach, was when I actually did something I've never done before. Um, I've always integrated mindfulness and things like that. Um, but I, I literally designed a 60-day program that I ran as a beta test. And the first 30 days, I let them know, the first 30 days, we're not touching anything to do with how much food is on your plate. We're not touching with how much you're exercising. We're literally just going to work on mindfulness and getting in touch with your body and your limiting beliefs and all these different things. And that's, that's all we're doing for the first 30 days. And if you're on board with that, cool if you're wanting a super strict challenge for 30 days, this is not the place for you. Um, and I watched them just blossom. I mean, they, they, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of introspection. It was a lot of like questioning and practicing and things like that. Um, but they did, they, they did so, so well. They connected with their bodies and they did, they lost weight without even focusing on that yeah. specifically. And that was just so cool to see. Cause it's like, there's so much, that goes on, that takes part in how we take care of ourselves and how we view ourselves as worthy enough to feel good, um, and not have to punish ourselves. So, um, we've talked a lot about listening to your body. What are some actionable, like tips that people can start listening to their body in a, in a better way?
1: Yeah. I love this question. I love this because I think it's like, you know, it sounds like, oh, cool. I would love to listen to my body, but like, what is my body saying? Like, (laughs) yeah. I don't speak. I don't speak body. I don't but, speak body. I'm not fluent in body. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's like first paying attention to physical sensations, and so it's it's physical sensations. Like, what does hungry feel like? Like, like, are you? Do you feel that like empty feeling in your stomach? Does your stomach gurgle? Do you maybe get a headache? Does your energy level shift? Like, what does that feel like after you know after you eat? Like, are you too full? Does your stomach feel like bloated or distended? Um, you know, in your digestion, like, is it hard to poop? Is it not hard to poop? Like, I think we can all agree that like having a good poop is like so satisfying. Right. Um, and, and I know and everyone it, want like, like, don't want to talk about it, but I'm like,
0: I do. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it's like, so satisfying. And so, you know, those, so those are physical sensations that you can identify with. And I think when you, you know, say, for example, Um, I've had clients that are like, you know what? I've realized that like, I never am hungry. Like I never let myself actually get hungry. Mm. And so there I would say, Hey, like think of your, your hunger as a scale from one to 10, 10 is like, is like that feeling where you're like, I will literally eat the wall because I'm so hungry. Like everybody knows that feeling of like, you're just super, super hungry. And one is like, you just ate a giant meal and you don't want any more food. And so you can kind of gauge your hunger along that scale. And so for example, like a nine would be like, yes, I'm totally ready to eat. I'm hungry, my stomach hurts, like I'm really hungry and I'm probably gonna eat a little bit too fast. Like an eight would be like, would be like oh yeah, like I need to eat in the next you know, 20 minutes otherwise people are gonna have problems. A seven is probably where, you're, where you wanna start a meal. So a seven is like, you know, you're hungry but you're not ready to kill anybody. And like you, it's also not an emergency. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I think that is a really good place to start. Um, and then also just feeling like, how do you feel after certain meals? And maybe you need to start tracking that, like with a journal or in your notes on your phone. Like when you eat, you know, a salad, like what do you feel like afterwards? Do you have, um, here's an example I used to eat. So when I was in my macro tracking days, I ate like an, a giant oatmeal protein pancake every morning for breakfast like all measured out with like x amount of egg whites and whatever (laughs) and um and I realized one day that I did not feel energized after eating that meal I felt sluggish I felt tired and so for me that was a sign that something needed to change and so I changed my breakfast I was like okay cool so this is a really like oat and and, an oat heavy breakfast you know it has uh maybe too much protein in it Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily high in calories, but it was just like a ton of egg whites and stuff like that. And so I changed it and I shifted to what I eat pretty much every morning now, which is like some combination of veggies and and eggs. And then I usually have fruit. Sometimes I'll have a piece of toast if I feel like it. Sometimes I'll have some nuts. Um, and that is a breakfast that like, I feel satiated. I enjoy it and it gives me energy.
0: Mm. I love that. Cause I like, can, you can, you can like manipulate those macros and be right on target, but not feel exactly. like you want to feel. Yeah. Um, so cool. I love all this. This stuff like makes me so happy you guys. Um, okay. Important question because there's so much good information here. And um, I think one of the hardest things, and I, I talk about this a lot, I feel like this is coming up more and more and more in conversations, especially like, always, but now I feel like the frequency has intensified because of people coming out of like, I think what we're calling a quarantine bodies. Um, and so maybe we have like completely lost all sense of touch of time and how we're supposed to feel and how we feel when we move and all these different things because of this. Um, but I think it could happen at any time. So I think it's one of those like tried and true timeless advice, uh, topics, but, um, one of the hardest things I think to wrap our head around is the fact that we can come at change from a place of self-love and growth versus like, oh, I hate myself and I hate my body and I hate the way I am and I need to guilt and shame myself into change, which as we know um, from a lot of actually like scientific studies that are being done and stuff as well, that actual like growth and healing and progress and health doesn't actually come from a place of guilt and shame so we have to kind of learn to come at this from a place of acceptance and peace with who and what we are now in the present and then also like want to change and grow to move to a a better healthier different like whatever version of ourselves in the future but that's such a struggle I think to both accept yourself and want to change to love yourself and want to grow and change and that's a like a um what's that word i'm looking for so here I,
1: I have actually you know have a, what i'm saying like do you have a phrase for this okay i'm like how do we describe this yeah. so the phrase is content but never satisfied there we go Yes. yeah and so this is this is actually i like to live my life by this because for me it's like i for example i'm i'm 33 years old um i know i look like i'm like 11 but whatever and Someone yesterday would be like, You're, you how- know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, which is great. Yay, family. Thanks for the good genes. Um, but anyway, so I'm 33, and uh, and last year when I turned 32, I realized I was like, Damn, like I, like myself. Like, mm-hmm. I like myself, but it came from like so many years of like wanting to change what my body looks like and like punishing myself when I, you know, did something wrong. And and I think it's one of those things that I, that it's, it's like any habit. And so the habit that I have implemented with myself over these last years, and a habit that I implement with lots of my clients, a habit that I implement, one of my best friends is a, is a bodybuilding professional. And so she deals with body dysmorphia worse than anybody I know. And she's like such an incredible, beautiful, amazing person and struggles with it so much. And, 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 I, and I actually just wrote a newsletter on this recently is talk to yourself the way you talk to someone you love. So when you look in the mirror and you look at yourself, Most people immediately go towards like, oh, I hate, you know, I hate my, my stretch marks or like, God, like my, you know, my whatever, I don't know, like the million things that you find that are wrong with you. And for me, where I had to force my brain to go for a long time and now it just goes automatically is I'd be like, wow, my skin looks great. Or like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of these like new shoulder muscles that are coming in for my workouts. And so it's one of those things that, like, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden that, like, oh, I like myself, so I just, like, stop taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. It means, like, I like myself, so I want to take care of myself more. I love that. And so that for me, it's, like, that, that doesn't mean getting back to, like, whatever, 14% body fat or whatever the hell it was, you know? For me, that means, like, I look in the mirror, I look healthy, I mm-hmm. feel healthy. Like, I'm not hungry all the time. Like, when I'm hungry, I eat food. and And if I want chocolate, I eat chocolate. And if I don't want chocolate, I don't eat chocolate either, you know? And, um, and so I think it's like this place of self-love. It's like, yeah, there's always going to be things that you want to change. Like I still look and I'm like, oh, I have these stretch marks that like, they used to really upset me. Mm-hmm. Like, they used to be really upset by my stretch marks. And I thought they were so ugly and that like, no one was ever going to like love them. And now I look at them, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I have stretch marks, like big deal. You know what I mean? And it's,
0: it's like, this is like, there. It's just there. It's just a thing. Yeah. It's like, a freck- and it's it's like, like cool. freckles. Like the freckles are there. What
1: Whatevs. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, I know, and I know because I always think when I, when I see like some influencer on Instagram, that's like, Oh, you know, like I has just like call me. And I'm like, yeah, but you're freaking hot. And like, so somebody right now <laughs> watching this or listening to this and be like, yeah, but like both of these girls are pretty. And it's like, yeah, but it doesn't matter whether you're objectively pretty or skinny or fit or what. It's like the way you see yourself has absolutely nothing to do with the way that everyone else sees you. Like you can tell yourself over and over and over, like my boyfriend thinks I'm beautiful, but if you don't think you're beautiful, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Oh God, that's so true. It doesn't matter if you're like, you know, if you weigh 100 kilos or or if you weigh 40 kilos or whatever I don't know what that is in pounds I'm sorry (laughs) it's fine or like if you have abs or if you don't have abs like the way you see yourself is not actually dictated by your physical body Mm -hmm. and so like you know I think that there's there's a lot of people that are gonna be like "Eh, whatever like that's because you're skinny and I'm like <laughs> I love that retort. I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> but then, like, look at—did you see that that one model that like a couple years ago, Tess Holiday, who like, yes, yeah, like, okay, she's a big girl, and like, yeah, you know, there are all these people coming out like she needs to go on a diet, she's gonna have diabetes. It's like, whatever, that's not your problem. That is not your problem. And like, the fact of the matter is, the the thing that's amazing about her is that like, she genuinely believes that she's beautiful, and like, that is like, you look at her and she she is. Like, would I want to have a body that looks like hers? No. But do I want to have her self-confidence? Fuck yeah, I do.
0: It's just, yeah, it's so cool to see that because it's that acceptance of saying, like, part, I wonder too, like how much of us looking at her and saying, while wow, she is beautiful, um, is because of her belief in herself that she is. Oh, it's one. I think it
1: totally is. I mean, she, you know, she does have it, like, it's it's the way people carry themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like, when you think about it, um, you know, so I like you're married, right? I'm so I'm single, and yes. like I, I know that like when I feel myself, it's like, it's like, it's like banging down the doors. You know what I mean? <laughs> when I feel myself, it's like, you know that, like people can tell, and and it's one of those things that like it doesn't matter what you look like. Like, have you ever seen a girl and a, like a couple walking down the street, and you like see one of the couple, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. How did that yeah. work out? But and and it, and it's like that doesn't it doesn't matter. And so I think it's like we have we put all this pressure on like the physical body. And it's like, yes, I, yes, you do want to be healthy. You want to take care of yourself. But it's like the, the the physical body is a byproduct of the taking care of yourself and eating healthy. And like, if you're only controlling like what your body looks like, you're not like, when I was only controlling what my body looked like, I didn't eat fruit. I wouldn't eat tomatoes because I thought tomatoes had too much sugar in them. That's what it was like. Um, like I was living off of like, off of like random powders and stuff like I had the work like my hair was shitty quality my skin wasn't great I lost <laughs> my period and like but you would have looked at me and be like damn that girl's body is like and I have pictures on my Instagram like go check out the pictures on my Instagram where it's like I was jacked and like yeah. I'm still pretty jacked but like I'm not punishing myself constantly
0: yeah yeah I mean and that's that's something that I think it's hard to talk about too with like in as a coach as a as a fitness professional, as a health professional, like it's difficult to kind of convey that, that it's not all about, because when we come, we work with clients, a lot of times they come to us and they're like, I want to look a certain way. I want to lose weight. I want to look like I did in high school or in college or before I had a kid or whatever. And um, it's, it's interesting to have that discussion with people and to go, okay, but look, there's so much more to your life than just what you look like. Like they're interconnected. But I noticed that also. I was prepping for a competition this past year. I suffered an injury. It's a whole story. Um, but because I needed to, I needed to make a certain weight class. Um, I had a very restrictive, like whole diet. I mean, I cut out like I love craft beer. Um, I like the flavor and stuff, so I don't like a whole whole lot. But I do like good flavor profile. Um, cut that out entirely. Tracked really really closely. Had like all these things. I said no to for like seven months um, of a year. And I was just like, no to this, no to that. I'd show up places. I'd have like the little Tupperware thing. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I, I realized during that process, it was important for me. A, I did make the weight cut. Um, and, but, and I tried to lose the weight in a healthy way that I kept a good frame of mind towards myself. Um, but I did also determine during that seven months that that lifestyle is of that level of restriction is not for me because it made me miss out on so many other things. Like I liked living the way that I, I typically do, which is I eat whatever, um, except for the things I can't, I don't do well with. It don't make me feel well. Like I don't feel well when I have a lot of dairy. I don't feel well if I eat beef. Um, but that's just because of how my body breaks it down. Yeah. But having that many restrictions made me feel like I was missing out on the rest of my life. I was accomplishing everything I wanted to accomplish when it came to like my physical performance. But I was missing out on so much. Um, so I realized that wasn't sustainable for me long term. Um, and that's something that I think is really important when we're talking about food and our experience around food and eating and listening to our body and making changes is to think about, are these things that we want to do short term? or are these things we want to do long term? and how how do my choices affect how I feel inside my body? while I'm living my life?
1: Well, I think a, a lot of it comes down to what does it actually mean to you? Mm-hmm. And so this is a question that I talk to uh, when I have my first call with all my clients. I talk about like, cool, I already know what your main goal is, but I want to know why. Like, I right. want to know why that's important to you. And so like, I had a first call this morning with, with a new client who he is about to be 50. Um, and he, he basically, he was like, look, I feel like I'm carrying an extra 15 kilos, which is like 35 pounds or something. Like I'm carrying an extra 35 pounds. And he's like, and part of it is like, I don't want to get, you know, to 60 and and not be able to move. Mm -hmm. And um, and he's like, Yeah, and you know, also like to be honest, like I wanna, you know, I wanna be able to wear these clothes. And I'm like, look, it's okay to have aesthetic goals. Right. Like it's okay to wanna look at them in the mirror and see yourself in a certain way. But I think it's in you know, it's important. And I think that's why my style of coaching is is effective in the long term is because it has to be a sustainable change for you to be able to get to 60 and and be like, hey, I still look pretty good. Like right. it, can't, it can't be one of those things where it's like, cool, I'm gonna put you on like, you know, no carbs. Like cool, yeah, I can put you on no carbs and you can lose 15 kilos and then what? And then it's like, and and then is that longevity piece like when you said, you know, why you want to lose the weight, like the why goes out the window. Because in when you're sixty, if you all you did was do a low carb diet for like two months, then you just right back where you started.
0: Yeah, yeah, so cool. Um, So the thing about habits and practices and longevity um, is consistency, right? Isn't that always the key that we're always trying to get to with like. So what, but it's what like, can you similar. do consistently? And it's like, so not sexy. Like it doesn't,
1: it's not a sexy thing to say. <laughs> to be like, I'm keto and I'm vegan. I'm vegan keto and I fast for three days a week. And I'm like, cool. So you live on spinach. Oh, that's, that's just, that sounds so boring. Like I don't. <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, but it's sexy. And so like, that's cool. Cause you get to like talk about it. Right. Um, yeah. Anyways. So, um, consistency is, yeah, sorry, I cut you off. What was your question?
0: <laughs> oh, no, it was just like that consistency isn't that's not sexy. And that's like, that's kind of a thing though. It's like, it's hard to say people want to know what do you, what do I, what do I eat? What do I do? Tell me what to do. Let me do it. And I'm, I'm just, I think the question is more of, um, if consistency is really the key to success, to long-term success, to actually reaching the why of why people are wanting to do things, um, how, how can someone, like, what would be a takeaway piece of advice for someone that's like, I want to start doing this. I want to be consistent. I want to start making these changes for myself from a place of self-love, but that feels so foreign, especially when so many things are being like just thrown at them. And I actually made a video and posted it in my small group yesterday about how I'm like guys I just need you to be aware that as we're coming out of restrictions are being lifted in different places different ways I've already seen like this barrage of stuff coming at people going hey did you put on weight and are you pudgy from quarantine like you need and it's like the shame and the guilt wave is coming like how can people start taking I guess some action steps towards this self-love connecting with themselves building these habits being consistent And protecting that aspect versus getting really sucked into like this
1: typhoon of ah, you know like oh my god I think just like easy actionable things for like 90% of the people that I work with it's like are you eating slowly are you chewing your food well Mm -hmm. are you respecting your hunger signals and are you eating enough vegetables and like it's like sounds ridiculous but you know I have people that, that come to me they're like oh yeah I eat super healthy like you're gonna be this is gonna be easy for you and, they <laughs> eat, and I'm like you haven't eaten a vegetable in like three days in three days <laughs> no or like or you know or they say like well I eat salad and I ask them I'm like well what does your salad consist of and they're like greens I'm like so it's literally just like a bag of salad and that's it and I'm like no wonder you think healthy eating is boring like, right yeah. There's so many uh, things I want to spice that salad with. And at the same time, it's like, I don't want to make people feel bad because the fact of the matter is, it's like, we have experience in this, like we've been doing this for a long time. Right. And so it's like, yeah, there was a time where like, I remember in college, literally, I had no idea what I was doing. And I just ate, I ate like seven bananas a day and that was like all I ate. And it wasn't because I was trying to restrict, it was just like, I really like bananas. And it was like I really <laughs> like bananas. <laughs> so, and and people like, wow, you lost a lot of weight, and I was like, yeah, it must be all the bananas. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like was on a diet. I just had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> You're like, this tastes good. I'll eat it. Yeah, and um, and so I think it's just, you know, I think seek seeking out reasonable information mm-hmm. would maybe be like. My go to, like, you want to do this, like, find someone that you're like, this person doesn't seem like a nut job. I'm going to go with them. And here's my, like, radar, my nut job radar. Yes. If it sounds extreme, it is. (laughs) Like, if it sounds like, if it's like totally, or if it's like an absolute, Mm -hmm. like, I read something the other day, it was like, lime and chia seeds in your water will clean out your colon. Like eat those to lose weight. And I'm like, what? Like, where do you get these things from? (laughs) Like, yeah, chia seeds are healthy and like lime is delicious and water is good for you. But like, it's not like, there's not one thing that's going to solve all your problems. Right. That's
0: super good advice, especially in the Instagram world. Um, it's just, if it sounds, if it sounds extreme, it is. And yeah. it sounds absolute. And that's the thing. It's like, ab- it absolute, there is no, absolutely, there is no absolute, right? Like there's a, there's always like little cute little cliches that we like to toss around, but, um, looking for somebody that maybe unsexy, I would say like, look for the unsexy advice, the people yeah, that are like, telling you know, just, Hey, literally. just move your body, just eat some yeah.
1: vegetables. Exactly. And it's like, you know, the tortoise and the hare, the like old, like, like, uh, you know, the tortoise and the hare and the race or whatever. Yes. you want to be the tortoise. And it's like, yeah, that's, like, not sexy at all, although tortoises are adorable. Right? But they're so cute. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, people are like, well, I, you know, I've had people be like, well, I want, I, want to, I want abs like yours. And I'm like, okay, well, that's going to take you eight years. Also, you're going to want genetics to be on your side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're also just going to have to be consistent. And it's like, yeah, there's I, I did a post on Instagram the other day where it's like I've eaten a cookie every day for the last like week and a half. And it's just like cause I felt like eating a cookie. And then like I bought some more cookies and like I tried one and I was like, I don't really like it. But like if I was in like restrictive mode, it would be like I would eat them because it's like my, you know, like, I'm allowed cookies. And so like it's like I don't like, I don't like the cookie that I got. So I'm just not gonna eat it. Or like I bought some granola. And I was like, oh, I want to try this granola. And I tried a little bit of it. And I was like, nah, all right. Maybe I'll eat some tomorrow. But it's those things that it's like, because there's no longer that restriction behind it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't need to fear the fact that my fridge is right in front of me. Oh yeah, that
0: is. And that's like so empowering, right? Because I talk to clients all the time. Like, I just try to stay out of the kitchen. I just try to stay out of the kitchen. I'm like, you try to avoid an entire room in your house. Like- there's got to be a better way, because it's the, the fear-based. Like, I don't want to feel afraid ever um, of food, but especially in my own house. There's so, so many
1: other scary things that we can be scared of. Right. Like tigers, like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> or like, like people that, that believe that coronavirus doesn't exist and they want to kill us all. And I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so many other things. So many other things. Or like, I don't know. Like... There's so many other things to be scared of. Like shark Sharknado. It, but, like, it really <laughs> it. but the fact of the matter is, is, like, I've been there. I've been terrified of like, I remember standing in like parties and being like, do not go over to the snack table. Mm-hmm. Do not go over to the snack table. Or like walking past like a, like a, gross, like a convenience store and seeing like a sign for Ben and Jerry's and be like, don't, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. And, um, and that's, I mean, it's a real feeling. It's like a, it's a real thing. And it's not easy to get through and it's like and and you know
0: it's hard it's hard it's hard and I think honestly just holding space for that and saying yeah you're right it is hard and not being like oh no it'll it'll get easier with that it'll be like trying to di- be dismissive of it and just like like acknowledge it it is hard it does take time it is a journey and it's just I think that's why that's why the why is so important, right? To keep figuring out, okay, what's my why today? And even if your why is different than it was yesterday or a year ago, it's not always going to stay the same either, um, which I think is just so super cool. So there's so many like giant gold. I want to say nuggets, like giant golden chunks in this whole conversation. Um, if people want to find you and find more of your blog posts and uh, more of your information and maybe follow you on instagram and be like oh look
1: she had a cookie today it's all good i can have a cookie i'm cool hey, um, i also bake sourdough bread like every other goddamn millennial out there these days
0: that's what you have to do you gotta have the sourdough it's so good though like you know what's
1: funny so you know what's funny is i don't actually give a shit about bread like really like i don't really like i there's this bread that this bakery by my house makes the one that makes the really good brownies and the chocolate yes. chip so they make this gluten-free bread that, like, I don't love it because it's gluten-free. I love it because it has like a ton of nuts and seeds and oats, and it's just like the texture is just like delicious and amazing, and the flavor is so good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, I'll I'll bet I'll buy that, and then like I'll have a couple pieces, and then I'll freeze it to have occasionally. But like I'll make sourdough bread, and like I have bread here that like I eat like a piece, and then I was like, oh, I don't really care. I don't really. <laughs> And and it's so funny because like I was gluten free for eight years where I was like, you can't eat bread. Like bread is bad for you. And now I'm, and, and so like whenever I could have it be like, Oh my God, like sneak in bread. (laughs) And now I'm like, I don't care. Like if it's really good, then amazing. It's really good. But like, if it's not really good, then it's like, I'm not going to force myself to eat it.
0: Yeah. You like, so you're saying something that is one of my, my personal favorites and I like to share it professionally too, which is if you're going to have it, make it good. Right. Like, Um, if you're going to, and that's one of my favorite things about, and like indulgences, like don't just get like the crappy cheap, like Walmart, $2 and 50 cent ice cream, like go for the good stuff, like get the gelato, get the, whatever your favorite brand is and like really savor it and enjoy it. And not just like you're talking about, even if you're in Italy and you're having tiramisu and it's like subpar, don't, you don't have to eat it. You're not obligated to eat it just because it's in front of you. Um, or just even because you paid for it, like you can just be like, Hey, that's not as good as I want it
1: to be. Let me get something really good instead. That You said that I've dealt with with clients before where they're like, like, well, you know, cause here the big thing is like small plates. And I know that in the States it's becoming trendier now, maybe not after the whole Corona thing, but like it's becoming trendier to like share plates. Yes. And so like I had a lot of clients that would be like, you know, when I go out to eat, like I feel like I need to eat quickly because like I paid for it and like, mm-hmm. you know, the peers. And, and so they would eat really quickly to try to like get their money's worth. And it's like, well, you don't enjoy the food anymore if you eat more of it necessarily right like it's not like and so I think that's something that it's it's you know and as like I'm a volume eater I like eating a giant thing of food like I like eating a giant plate of food um but the fact of the matter is is like you don't enjoy it any more any less because it's bigger or smaller if you actually are enjoying it and so it's like and it's one of those things where you know for example if I go to the states like occasionally I'll be like ooh, like I really want I don't know, some of the snack thing that the States have, like cinnamon toast crunch, for example, whereas right. it's like, you know, you might, your argument might be like, well, you know, cinnamon toast crunch, like what a shitty breakfast cereal. And I'm like, but well, we don't, like, I don't have that in Spain. And so for me to be able to like have a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch, it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, or like, I, I totally agree with you. I had a client once that he, when he started with me, he's like, yeah, but my indulgence is donuts. Like, I love donuts. And I was like, cool, what's your favorite kind of donut? And he goes, well, I go to the grocery store and they have these, they, they like the donuts Here they're called oh, yeah. donuts. Um, and they're basically the exact same thing. But you're yeah. surprisingly, they have less ingredients. It's very strange. There's like, there's that's- certain ingredients in the States that aren't legal here. Oh. Yeah. We could that's do a whole true. other podcast on how effed up the American food system is. Yeah, um, that's next time for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he was like, he was like, well, I love donuts. And I was like, cool. Like, where do you get your donuts? He goes, well, I go to the grocery store and I get like, I get the the packet of this and I eat them. And I was like, cool. Have you ever been to, there's this place called La Donuteria, which makes like homemade like donuts that like, they're and they're not American donuts, but they're like, they're good. And I was like, well, why don't you go there and get a donut from there? And, you know, at least, you know, at least it's with real ingredients, like it's, and it's something that. You know, you savor and, and you really enjoy it, and you don't mm-hmm. just kind of like put it your face and you're like, oh, powdered sugar everywhere. Um, and so he kind of switched that, and he was like, wow, this is. He was like, I also eat one, and I'm good. I don't need to eat like a whole pack of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so it's it's one of those things where it's like valuing your valuing you as a, yourself as a person to be like, if you see, for example, if you see an indulgence as a punishment then it makes sense that you're gonna get the crappy one because you're punishing yourself. But if you see an indulgement as like a, you know, like I genuinely want this, it's not a reward for anything. Right. It, you deserve to eat quality food. Oh,
0: I'm gonna get like 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 little coach goosebumps. You deserve to eat quality food. Like, it's just like, can we make that like some sort of like a rap song that people can listen to every morning? Like yeah. I love it that's great um in fact i did a similar exercise with a client um she's like i really just like having a little bit of ice cream every night and i was like okay so who said you can't like who said you literally can't have some ice cream every night you don't have to eat an entire gallon every night but you can have you can have some ice cream every night i was like honestly make it an experience for yourself like you need to feel like you're treating yourself not eating it in shame in a closet with a spoon like get a special ice cream bowl and it's your special evening ice cream bowl, and you know have a whole ritual. Like now, it's time for my evening ice cream, and you sit down and you have your whole ice cream, and it's good ice cream, and you just enjoy the fuck out of it. Like, don't sit there and be like, oh, I'm just gonna. I just feel so bad, and I shouldn't be eating this. But I'm like, yeah, like why? I'm going why do not. that?
1: Like, you can totally enjoy it. But the, and the interesting thing is, is that at a certain point, she may realize that she doesn't even need the ice cream. What she really wants is time for herself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and so it's interesting because I used to for example I I always used to have to have a piece of chocolate after lunch like that was like my thing and now like I have a bar of chocolate in my in my cupboard that like I think I bought it like a month ago and and I (laughs) I think (laughs) and 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 now it's like I realize when I eat lunch like what I really want I've been really into apples and so like I just I love having like an apple and and people are like that's boring and I'm like, well, it's not for me.
0: Yeah, it's it's what works for you. Like that works for you.
1: Yeah. But then but then some days like last night, I felt like chocolate, I had some chocolate. There you go. Nothing okay.
0: And nothing happened. And I'm like, and what happened? And you're like, and nothing happened.
1: <laughs> nothing happened. It was great. <laughs> it was
0: great. Julianne, you're amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, your story, some really great, great information and tips for people today. Um, I'm sure they'll want to follow you and find you cause you're so fun and so honest. Um, and I just love that. And, um, the, it's going to be in the show notes, you guys don't worry, but you can find her, um, at bite size and then it's, she's not in the States. So there's a couple extra letters. It's like bite size.es forward slash en. Um, and then she's also on Instagram at bite size nutri. It looks like.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. If anybody speaks Spanish, yeah. si alguien aquí que está escuchando que habla español, pues toda mi página web So, yeah, my whole website is in English and in Spanish. I do all of my Instagram posts in English and in Spanish. Um, I go back and forth on Instagram video things, English and Spanish. Um, so, yeah, if you want to do like Duolingo nutrition style,
0: I love it. I really, I should do that actually, that, that will help me. I've been attempting to learn Italian for a while now, but they have a lot of similarities. So maybe you can help me with the Spanish. Um, so yeah, so you guys, you can you can learn, you can grow not only your, your healthy habits for your body, but your mind. If you go follow Jolin, you can learn some Spanish. I actually have a lot of clients who learn Spanish. So you might be getting, you might be getting some questions um, yeah. about that as well. So, um, and then I know you mentioned some people that you'd have them go and follow, obviously. We both recommend Precision Nutrition, and you've recommended a couple other people. One of them I'm very familiar with, which is Brene Brown. She's amazing. Um, yeah. And then the other one is James Clear. And tell me about him because I'm actually not as familiar with
1: him. Oh, my God. James Clear is like the habit God. <laughs> oh God. If you're listening right now, I want to talk to you. <laughs> Um, if James Clear is listening to your podcast and you're an enemy, I mean, that's amazing. No, James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits, which literally changed my life and changed the way that I coach clients. And I actually give this to clients. I actually give either um, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown or Atomic Habits to clients for their birthday. Um, and And so James Clear essentially looks at how to create a habit and why we create certain habits, why, how we break bad habits. And it's just, it's very well written. It's very well broken down. He has a ton of articles and he's just like, it, it, it genuinely changed the way that I view, uh, the way that I work and the way that I do things.
0: Wow. That's so cool. So, so I actually have heard of Atomic Habits. It's been recommended extremely highly. And one of my clients actually was reading it, um, during quarantine. And so I'm like, this is, this is a book. I need to, I'm just going to go order it. I'm going to order it today. This is like the fourth time I've heard about this book yeah. in the past week. Um, also,
1: yeah. Yeah. You need to order that one. Yeah. <laughs> also, which one? I was going to say motivational interviewing, but that's more for like the coach side, not the client side. Yes. That one is really
0: good. Um, also on my list, but they, they uh, Brene Brown, Atomic Habits, James, if he's the one who wrote Atomic Habits, yes, everyone go get those definitely right now because they're amazing um thank you so much for being here today I can't wait to have more conversations um there's so many topics that I know we can cover uh and I just I'm so excited right now like this is this has been great so guys if you're listening um you can definitely follow her you can follow me you can follow all these other great people that we've learned from um and really respect and mostly what we want I think if I was going to leave you with a little piece of takeaway today is that we want you to be comfortable within your body and have freedom and peace around food um, and to just be consistent and do the unsexy things to be like the happiest, yeah. healthiest to you. So is there like a little, little tidbit takeaway that you want to leave with our listeners today?
1: Yeah. Stop being so damn hard on yourself. Ooh. Like, like I know that you're looking in the mirror every day and you're beating yourself up because we all do that. Um, unless you're a sociopath. Um <laughs> we have other problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I mean it's normal. We we all are really you're, you're your own worst critic. And so mm. stop being so hard on yourself. Like you're doing pretty great. You know? Like super important. And I know some days they're harder than others, and that's what nutrition coaches are for. And yep. also other, you know, like psychologists and therapists and all other types of coaches and support systems. Um, but yeah, don't be so hard on yourself.
0: I love it. That's so important. And honestly, probably something we should wake up every day and think about like, hey, don't be so hard on myself. I'm awesome.
1: Give yourself a pep talk.
0: Give it, yeah, give yourself a pep talk. And if you need help with a pep talk, like she said, there's plenty of us coaches out here. We live for this stuff. So um, Jillian, thank you again so much for being here. You guys, thank you for tuning in again. This has been What in the Wellness, and we will talk to you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening today. If you're interested in being a sponsor or a patron of this podcast to help us develop more resources and get more exciting things out into the world about the global perspective on integrative wellness and health, please feel free to reach out via email or message. And I look forward to seeing you and the new subscribers that you're going to bring to the podcast as we go along on this journey. Thank you so much for being here and I wish you all the best and light and love as you continue throughout your day today